0: The thing that comes to mind is that a lot of times when I'm dealing with a client and they don't trust themselves, what I do is I ask them to write three, four, five success stories about themselves.
1: That is like magic. Welcome to the Add Valued Entrepreneurs Podcast, where we're on a mission to end entrepreneurial unhappiness. If you're an entrepreneur with a burning desire to change the world, this podcast is for you. We're here to help you transform your life and business so that you can achieve the freedom and fulfillment you crave. This show is dedicated to entrepreneurs who want more out of their life, more meaning, more purpose, and ultimately, more happiness. You deserve it all, and it's possible. I'm your host, Robert Peterson, pastor-turned-life coach for business owners. I believe that success without happiness is not true success at all, but there's always hope for those who are willing to take action. Join us every week as we bring you inspiring leaders and messages that will help you on your journey towards success. Thank you for investing your time with us today. Let's get started. Our guest today is Neptali Martinez. He's the founder and principal of NJM Career Leadership Coaching which provides career and executive coaching for professionals in middle and upper management levels, business owners, and entrepreneurs in diverse areas, such as information technology, human resources, supply chain management, and other business organizations. As an author, Neptali has published more than a dozen articles, and he published his first book, Coachability. Are you in a state or conditioned to be coached? Robert chats with Neptali Martinez, an author, educator, and executive coach who has taken his experience and used it to prepare others. He's an expert at understanding people and helping them see the problem within themselves. He knows how to help people write down what they want and then figure out how to go get it. I'm
0: originally from Ecuador, from Quito, Ecuador, in South America. muy bien yeah, but I being in living in New York for since 1968. So I'm I'm a, a few New Yorker.
1: Years. <laughs> Excuse me, <laughs> I said a few years.
0: A few years, yes, a few years. So I'm a native New Yorker, and that's how I see myself. So yeah. <laughs>
1: Very good. All right. Well, typically we talk about um, the entrepreneurial journey. And, and as an author, we consider authors on entrepreneurs. And, and I know you've, you've written some books and, and you've got a new book coming. And so uh, just share a little bit about, about your journey. Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess the writing bug
0: began when I was an administrator at, at NYU here in New York. And um, I found myself having to write memos memos and business letters and I had no idea what to do. So working for a university, sure enough, I found out a course that was called uh, Business Writing and right away I signed up. And um, it was a great, uh, you know, experience for me because the teacher taught us a lot of things, but one thing that stuck in my mind was, you have to start with what you wanna tell them, which is the kind of the heading, then you go to the body and you tell them what it is, and you end by reminding them what you told them. And that kind of stuck, and it's true. you know, Whatever you read, a book, an article, even a blurb it's like that. If it's a well-written, you kind of, at the beginning, you tell them what it's gonna be about. Then you give them a bit of detail, you know, the body. And then at the end, you kind of go back to remind them at the beginning. And that has been my guide. So I've written a number of articles for a hobby magazine, which again, it was uh, a surprise after I retired from my administrative work. I thought I I said, well, I know how to write business letters. Mm-hmm. I know how to write memos. Mm-hmm. So I tried with an article and the magazine editor bought it. So, you know, <laughs> I said, hey, wait a minute. Uh, through my career, you know, handful of times, people came to me and told me, hey, Neptali, you should write a book. And I go, oh yeah, sure, sure, sure. But uh, having more time on my hands and, and the pandemic keeping me cooped up, you know, I said, "You know, how do you write a book? You know, wh- what do you do about it?" But since I've been doing coaching for like over fifteen years, I had a large body of work in there, which is mainly a lot of stories, a lot of situations of professionals, individuals that find themselves. You know, for whatever reason, stuck. For whatever reason, unhappy, disconnected. And, uh, you know, they hire me. And we begin a journey in which, you know, we uncover hidden qualities, hidden abilities, hidden capacity that they were not even aware of. Okay? And that gives them energy, that gives them ideas, and that gives them the, the grit to... Go take the new direction. Go hire, you know, um, look for another company, you know, go do something different, which is why they were unhappy to begin with. So I had a lot of uh, stories based on that. And I thought, I think that's the body of the book. So, towards the middle of the pandemic, I sat down and in the back of my mind, there was one thing that was rattling and it was like, you always read about writer's block. You know, that's, that's usually a typical complaint that a writer said, Oh man, it didn't happen. And I realized it didn't happen because this is something that I went through with the clients. This is something that I experienced with them? So all the, and I had notes and stuff like that. So the stuff just kept pouring out. The biggest challenge was how do you shape it into a book? You know how how do you make it interesting how do you put it together so somebody you know may pick up the book and find use in it because that was that was my main thing and, and I guess the underlying reason for writing the book was that although I had numerous clients that have gone on to you know better positions you know better titles more salary promotion all that I did come across with a small number of potential clients that for whatever reason did not want to be coach. And and that kind of stuck in my mind. And, and you know, as some part of me, I was blaming myself. I said, Oh, I was not good enough to tell them, to, you know, educate them, to, to help them make the decision. But but I also realized that you have to be ready you know, as an individual, you have to be whatever text in your mind, whatever, you know, you have to say, yes, you know what, I'm going to do it. And for whatever reasons, they were not. So that's part of the reason that I'm writing the book, because I realized that there's got to be more people like that in the fence, sitting on the fence, realizing that they need help, realizing that somebody can do something for them and, and they don't take the plunge. So I'm writing the book in a way that shows i call i don't call them chapters i call them scenarios because each situation is a scenario with an individual with specific challenges with specific goals you know dreams and you know each scenario shows how it begins how they go through the process and what the outcome is so i figure somebody picks out the book they may see that and they may See themselves in one of the scenarios, or they may see how the coaching process is, you know, and they may make them feel more uh, open to also jump in and take advantage of all it is. Is you know, you ask somebody for a hand, you ask somebody for help, but um, there's, there's, there's this thing that we live in, in and the kind of a cultural environment in which we are supposed to do things on our own we are supposed to prove ourselves we are supposed to stand on our own two feet and you know and be successful <laughs> so with uh, with that environment it's hard for us to say you know what I'm struggling here you know what I need help I think I need help um, so that's also part of the book trying to Um, And by the way, I I have copies of the book. Um, So I'm trying to make it uh, uh, friendly, you know, as approachable as possible. Um, I call it coachability with a capital A to focus on the abilities that we all have, you know, that maybe we're not aware of and that they so far in every case, we, we, we unearth that, we uncover that. And it's a surprise for the client that hey, I didn't think about that. But you know, yeah, nice, yeah. So, All right, so let's
1: let's back up a little bit. Let's let's talk a little bit. What 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 got you into coaching fifteen years ago?
0: Okay, um, I began my career in technology, so I became a manager in a technology department, and one day I realized that. I was tired of that and one of my clients and technology was the human resources department so i kind of learned a a good deal about human resources simply simply because i was serving their technology their systems their you know the applications and all that and i sort of gravitated towards that and then i was given the chance to do part-time human resources, and I found that I like it. I was tired of talking to machines, and I like talking to people kind of a thing. Nice. (laughs) So I became the director of human resources for the department, and one of the responsibilities I had was something that we used to call employee relations. I don't know if you heard the term. So employee relations was all the problems that the managers and the people they have, they will dump it on my desk. (laughs) And somehow I found that I was able to resolve that it didn't affect me. I didn't get upset. You know, it didn't ruffle my feathers and the managers were happy. The employees were happy. And I go, you know what? Hey, you know, I didn't think much about it, but talking to other colleagues in the HR world, one day, one of them says, you know, when I retire, I'm going to become a coach and you know, how you see the light bulb going in and, you know, many cartoons and many stories, the light bulb went in, went on. And I said, that's right, coaching. So um, when I retire, NYU offers you tuition for whatever kind of education. And they had a, uh, a, a coaching program. They have a certificate. Um so there was a whole month, every day, nine to five classes for a whole month. And I took it, it was intensive. So um, so that, that that was just a continuation of what I was doing, but in a more formal way, in a more structural way, because now I learned how to be a coach. Now I learned how to run a business coach and I identify what I already knew and identify what I didn't know and I had to learn. So I felt more kind of a, um, in a position to offer a, a useful service, you know. So, And it has been, for me, very gratifying to meet with somebody who's struggling, and which happens to me every time. I have no way of knowing how I'm going to help this person. I don't know this person. This person seems to be struggling. And every time we find a solution, every time we find a way, Every time the person goes on better than before with a new outlook, with new ideas, with new skills or capacities that they uncover during the coaching. So that is kind of my reward. That's kind of my, the impetus that keeps me going. I find that at my stage in life, that's my way of giving back a little bit, you know, to society. Because, you know, uh, when you're long enough in a career, you, you know that somebody gave you a hand, you know, somebody gave you a hint, you know, somebody helped you along the way, you know? Uh, so this is my way of giving back.
1: That's so good. All right. Earlier when you were talking about <clears throat> the book, we live in a, a cultural and environment and I, I call it our American independence, right? We, yes. we, we, we we're, we're very independent. And then you add a little bit of ego yes. to that. And, and it's hard for entrepreneurs, especially business owners. Um, it's hard for executives uh, to exact- ask for help.
0: Executives, especially, yeah, especially. And, and you're right. The ego is the thing that is there. So um, many times what I've seen is that you have to learn how to deal with the ego of the person. You don't even have to be a good coach. You have to be a good psychologist. You have to you know, treat the person. So for instance, when I was uh, doing HR, the thing that I did all the time and I think was successful is that the manager will come in very angry uh, with the employee, ready to fire the employee. You know, mm-hmm. They already had fights, they already had problems and they just wanted to fire them. And one thing that I did is I treat both of them individually and in a group with the utmost respect. I saw two professionals in front of me and then I always when I was one on one with employee spoke to the employee as you are a professional you have all these abilities these are your responsibilities let's talk about that and that saved the day because that you know put the owners on the person saying you know what you come to work because you know ADs whatever and so just let's focus on that like how do we improve that you know so that has been something that um, let's say has been the basis for me talking to anybody to help them treat them with respect, uh, re- acknowledge who they are, you know. And this is just a business proposition, they want something that a service that I offer, and that's all. So it's never, you know, hurt the ego, never hurt the person,
1: never, you know, uh, make them feel bad. Yes, that's to me the basis. Yeah, so, so obviously. Working in HR, the manager drugged the employee to you and said, this person needs your help. <laughs> but now that you have a coaching company, how, how do you, who's, who's dragging these people to your door to say they need your help? So that's,
0: uh, that's interesting. Um, for a time I was teaching at NYU and I was teaching in one of the schools that focuses on adult education. So all the students were adults. All students were like 10, 15, 20 years in the industry. And they came back to pick up a refresher course. They came back to learn something. So that was my pool of clients. Because once they learned that I did coaching, and once they saw me in action, you know, so they would contact me. And then, or what I did sometimes is I see them in action in the classroom. And I could see, you know, they present themselves, oh, I'm the manager of blah, blah, blah. And the way they're acting is like, wait a minute, you know, you you have issues, of course, with very delicate, you know, diplomatic way. I will talk to them. So after the class finish, you know, we'll meet for coffee and I will say, you know, well, I kind of observed that. What about that? You know, how and then they will say, Oh, yeah, I'm struggling. I don't know what to do, blah, blah. blah. So that's how the clients develop. And then also from references, you know, former clients will send me their names. Um I have one which is one of the stories in the book. Um, a colleague from from HR reaffirmed me her daughter. And I, I look at that. So that was kind of a, a unique situation. The daughter was, you know, early 20s graduate, wanted to go into the movie business, uh, had a, an arts degree, so was well prepared. But was struggling because all she could find was uh, a, produ- a producer assistant, a, a PA. And that, you know, minimum pay, running errands for somebody. So the parents could not stomach that the daughter with a great education was doing just, you know. Yeah. So she referred to me. And so that was kind of a, you know, how do you take a young person who, whose mind is focused on something and kind of expanding. So the book has a chapter on that, has a sorry. So I've had clients from like a young person like that all the way to recently, I helped somebody get a, a, a C-suite position. So, you know, I, I've gone through all situations and, and it's usually, usually the stuff is within the client. The stuff is within the person. You know, I what I do is I offer uh, uh, um, the belief that they can do it. I offer them a safe environment. I offer them a neutral area. I offer them a sounding board. But I also put a mirror in front of them. Okay. I definitely I I'm very strict about that because um they haven't had a chance many times that somebody puts a mirror in front of them. They have different ideas. They have, you know, they don't see themselves. So as soon as we talk about that, and and you know, they open up and they see, and then once they see, then it's easier to find options. It's easier to find, you know, different ways that they want to do. Um, but typically, is the ability to dump what's in your mind in front of somebody else. And then a lot of times for the first time they see it. They they had the idea, they had the image in their mind, but I asked them to write or I asked them to talk. And that gives it a different dimension because now it's in black and white. They send me the note (laughs) and now we can, you know, number one, we can measure. You know, that's, that's a strong tool that I use. They will tell me, oh, but I don't know that. So I will tell them, "Okay, from one to ten, ten being the most expert and zero being that you don't know anything. Where are you? And they will say, well, I think I'm a seven. Well, you know what? Seven is pretty good. (laughs) You know, seven, you maybe need maybe another point or two. And then you are in the ballpark, you know, so that that allows them to see themselves you know more capable more um that yes you know is is a imposter syndrome is the self-doubt that stopped us a lot of times from from doing
1: something so So measuring what uh uh-huh so i was you could say let's let's talk a little bit more about that mirror and this 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 self-belief um and obviously you're coming alongside, I think, one of the most powerful things in coaching is, is borrowed belief, where where you're transmitting, look, I believe in you. Right. <laughs> and so so let's explore a little bit more about this, putting them in front of the mirror and helping them really see themselves.
0: Okay. So for instance, I had a, um, a lady from South America that was trying to advance, and, and she is a good and technology so she thought that for instance she is a project manager professional pmp and she thought to advance her, to advance her career she needed more training on pmp so she had courses she had certification but nothing was happening then we began and we and she said no i want to become a manager i said well you got to get out of that so i said you know have you been to events have you been to other activities outside your line of work? She said, no. She I said, you know, how about going to an event and talking to different people? She says, no, that's impossible. So I stopped for a moment, let her think, and I said, who is saying it's impossible? So she stopped for a moment and says, I am saying, I said, there you go. You are saying it's impossible. I said, you know, would you like, talk about ways so you'll be successful in that and sure enough so yeah sure and now she is speaker in events she is a co-writer of a book with somebody else she's all over linkedin you know simply because we work for her to go to an event and just talk to strangers because she never thought she was able to do that she she was afraid you know (laughs)
1: We will be right back after this short break. Are you an entrepreneur who started their business with purpose and passion only to lose sight of it amidst the daily grind? We understand how frustrating that can be. That's why we're offering free strategy calls to help you gain clarity on the barriers holding you back from achieving your dreams. In just 30 minutes, our experienced coaches will work with you to identify obstacles and develop strategies for overcoming them. There's no commitment or pressure. Just a chance to get some assistance and clarity you need. Scheduling is easy. Simply visit SmilingCall.com and select a time that works for you. Let's jump on a call and build your business together. It's time for you to add value and achieve your full potential as an entrepreneur. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. And you know,
0: you teach the person a couple of tools, you give her a couple of samples, but the key thing is that she went, that she did it. You know, I, I could have all kinds of bells and whistles for them, but if you're not gonna do it, you know, nothing's gonna happen. So to me, the the you know, I, I give her credit because she went and did it. And now, you know, we, we check on in, in LinkedIn and the message, and she's doing well, simply because she believed in herself, uh, she had it within herself. Mm-hmm. And I just put a mirror in front of her and she saw it.
1: <laughs> so yeah, that no, happens a lot. That happens a lot. So so let's, let's talk about that power of taking action. So many are procrastinating or waiting until they get it perfect or waiting until they get the perfect education or waiting yeah. until they have the perfect thing, but action taking steps is really the most important piece.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So recently in LinkedIn, I saw, I don't know if you've seen the name, Greg S Reed,
1: Oh, yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. So he puts out, and I I wrote it down because it's great. He says, a dream written down with a date becomes a goal. I just love that. And then he says, a goal broken down into steps becomes a plan. And a plan backed by action makes the dream come true. And I wrote it down because that's the essence, you know. So, for instance, typically I have a simple spreadsheet that begins with a goal. So the goal is all the way on the left on the spreadsheet in the column. And they have a sub-columns of what are the strategies. And then another column of what the action is going to be. And then another column with dates, when you're going to begin, how long it's going to take. And then a column with comments, what's going on. Uh, So we populate that during the discussion, during the coaching. Once we unpack what the goal is, and then we identify what the steps will be needed, you know, to achieve that. And who's going to do it? And how long it's going to take? And who's going to check? You know, and that becomes a roadmap, you know, and many times we don't do that. You know, the ideas in our head rattling around. We think we want to do it. We don't know how to start, but it's just rattling in our brain. But once you have in front of you, like I said, a simple spreadsheet, once you have it and you see your stuff in there, well, you know what? It's real. It's, you know, uh, black and white. And now you can grow it. You can update it. You can add stuff. And it grows because, you know, if you have a goal, you could have two, you could have three. Now you have a plan. So yes, that's why I wrote this thing because it's a nutshell, that's exactly what happened. Um, but definitely the person needs to be committed. Uh, Without we, the commitment, you know,
1: it, it falls apart. It doesn't go anywhere, so yeah. But well, there's certain personalities that love spreadsheets, that love information, and, and they want to get every detail right. And so they're writing that action plan and, and they want to make sure that, that every step Every step is going to be perfect to to lead up to. And and they're kind of in analysis paralysis. Yeah. Because what what really happens when you take the first step, it changes all the rest of those action steps. Yeah. And so for me, I I try to help clients see it as a science experiment. This Mm -hmm. isn't a failure. This This is just an experiment. Yeah. And we're trying each step. Yeah, yeah. And if each step gets us a result, which it will, it'll get a result. Does that result lead us towards our goal or away from our goal? Yeah. How, yeah. Do we, how do we help, you know, how do we help these people continue to take action and not get caught up in the failure? Yeah. One thing that I I use and it
0: helps is to tell them like uh we don't we don't get them anymore. We used to get them the the test of the emergency radio, whatever. Oh, you yeah. know. <laughs> so I, I tell them this is only a test. I, this is not nice. a real thing. Let's see what happens. Let's do a test. And that helps them, you know, overcome the fear. It, this is not your life. It's just a test. We, let's see what happens. And then if we do a few tests, they become, you know, used to that. And I was like, okay, you know, that, yes, you have to remove. Um, another thing that I use, um, because like you mentioned, people want to be 100% before they do anything. Uh, we talk about the 80-20
1: rule. What do you know about the 80-20 rule? Well, 80% of my revenue comes from 20% of my clients. Okay, so that's one way.
0: (laughs) Another way, the way I present them is that no matter who you are, no matter what your level of expertise is, you need to have 20% available to learn, to grow. Mm. Something empty, something blank. You cannot be 100% something because you have no room for something new. If you 100%, that means you cannot grow. That means you have decided that that's who you are and there's no way to grow. There's no room. So you need to have 20%. You need to be in an area in which you don't know and be happy about it. You know That's a key thing, especially with people and with big egos and higher positions. You know, They hate to be in a position in which they do not know the answer. Oh, my God, because they, they think that the higher they go, they need to know everything. So one of the biggest things that I have to work with them is, how are you comfortable not knowing the answer? Because your ability is that you're going to find out. But people around you want to trust that you're going to lead them where the answer is. And that's what they want. They want somebody up front, leading them where the answer is. They know that you don't know the answer. They don't know the answer, it's a new thing, but they want somebody brave enough to be upfront. And you need a 20% of having an open mind, but you have the ability to be okay with that, not to be freaking out, not to be <laughs> that. That is one of the things that I, you know, I really focus, especially when you're up there. How do you are the leader that you're going to take them to the promised land and you don't know where you're going to go, but you are going, you are leading them. And as long as you you do that, they'll follow. They know how to do it, but they need somebody to go up front. That's right. hard. That's tough.
1: <laughs> but, but it's a, that's what true leadership is, Yes. right? Any, any monkey can take you someplace. He knows how to go. That's right. That's right. <laughs> a, a true leader can take you someplace that he's never been. Exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. And then, uh, I have a good number of, uh, clients that I'm making the transition. You know, they've been 10, 15, 20 years doing the same thing. And all of a sudden say, you know what? I don't want to do that. I want to, and that's hard to. So I use the trenches. And the big horizon, I said, you know, look, you're an expert. You've been in the trenches. You know everything about the trench. You did 100%. But now you're getting up, going up the ladder, going up the tower, and you're looking at the horizon. What do you know about that? What direction are you going? Which direction do you want to go? What is the right direction? You know, it has nothing to do with the trenches anymore. You know, now it has to be the direction. Not only that, but maybe as you look far, maybe you see the weather coming down. Is the trench going to be floated? <laughs> you know, it, now you have other things that you have to people. Uh, are other people digging trenches in the in the in the same direction, and you're gonna collide? You know, so it's, so I'm trying to give them the big view because that's what leadership is about—to open up, to talk to other people, other you know, in the industry, and that's a mind shift that needs to happen when they realize that they don't want to do the trenches anymore, that they want to do something else. You know, it's, so for instance, you probably have seen the book. Uh, by Marshall Goldsmith, whatever got you here will not get you there. Yeah, uh, I use that a lot because that book is not too big; it's to the point, and it just gives you the big switch. It is to go from working the trenches to leading the team. You know, whatever they're going. So, yeah, that's that's a big switch. That's a common thing.
1: So, you mentioned earlier with with that young lady or the one of your clients, basically. Get out, get out and network, get out and meet other people. Yes. So, so let's talk about the power of connection. Okay. In, in growing a business. So that is another
0: kind of challenge that uh, I have with many clients that they as an expert in their field. They are an expert in the organization, and that's their bubble. And they will not step out of it. They don't see the value. The, the other thing is, even within the organization, they, ha- they, they haven't spoken to the senior leadership. They feel there's a barrier between them and senior leadership. They are an expert's managing down. But when I mention, what about managing up? They look at me as if I'm speaking Greek. You know, <laughs> managing up, what does that mean? I have no power. So we begin to talk about uh, emotional intelligence. And we begin to talk about... Um, being able to influence, in order to influence, you don't need, uh, we, t- we begin to talk about official and unofficial authority, you know, we begin to talk about those things that we have. We have unofficial authority based on our skills, based on experience, based on the trust that other people have, and we don't use it, right? Uh, and we can influence senior leadership. We don't have the authority, but we can influence. They can begin to trust us. Uh, we can keep bringing good ideas. We can keep bringing, you know, we can, we can make our bosses successful. And if we make our bosses successful, they're going to trust us and they're going to help us. And, you know, but switching the language from the trenches to, you know, senior leadership, that's usually, you know, a big transition because that's when they begin to see that is a different world out there. That, For instance, during the pandemic, I began coaching a lady that has been in the business for about 10 years. She's middle manager, and she knows she wants to be hired. So she's you know talking to the boss. She, she reports directly to the CEO. She's talking to the boss, I want a position, I want this and that. And she's also, she signed up for courses and everything. But nothing's happening. So she hired me. And again, I said to her, what's going in, the, in your industry? She looks at me, because we're doing through Zoom, right? She said, what do you mean the industry? I said, yeah, all the competitors, all the, you know, what's going on. Oh, I don't know. I said, what do you think are the problems your boss is facing? Yeah. I don't know. You know, with a pandemic, you know, what do you think is happening, you know, to, to the gain, to, you know, the uh, revenue and everything? I had no idea. But she's smart you know she learned quickly so we did uh, she realized what she has to do she realizes was to i remember telling her you know what to do and a couple of weeks go by and she comes back very unhappy and i said what's going on she said well i keep trying and trying but i don't seem to make a dent so i grab onto that and i said have you gone to the museums where they show those copper works from ancient people that they were, you know, shaped with a mallet and they're full of dents. I said, you know, in there, you know, the, do the dents add or detract from the work? She says, oh no, no, the dents, are, I said, there you go. And then she says, oh, you mean I have to keep on making dents? <laughs> I said, yes, but you have to keep in mind the direction that the company wants. So the dents contribute to that. You know, so the coaching ended about eight months go by. I get in touch with her. Well, because of the COVID, the company restructured. Oh, she had another team that was competition. Well, the boss restructured the company, fired the other team, make her the person in charge. And she was successful now simply because she learned how to talk to the boss differently because she opened up. To say, instead of going demanding, I want a position to say, hey, can I help you? You know, what, what's going on? Can I give you a hand? You know, nice. simple thing. Yes. So definitely uh, there's power in
1: all of us. We just need to know how to rechannel it. All right. Nemtali, what in what ways have mentors helped you on your journey? Um, I was
0: finishing... A masters in human resources because when i switched careers i realized although i knew the client although i knew something uh things were changing it used to be called personnel remember mm-hmm. and it became hr and i was in the middle of that and and i realized that my boss was asking me to do things and i had no idea what she was talking about so i signed up for a master's in human resources um the program was a small program and the director of the program he was a teacher for about five of the courses, so we got to know him real well, and he got to know us as students really well too. There was a course on technology for HR people, which I don't know if you realize, but there are two opposite skill sets: technology and human resources. <laughs> so I went to him and I say, "Look, my prior career is technology, so I don't want I don't want to take that course. I don't need it." So he says, okay, give me a note and I'll waive the course. So I was not going to the technology, but the rest of the group was going and they were complaining. They were complaining that because they sent the HR people to the technology class and there was different language I don't know what's going on. They were complaining, complaining. And one day the whole group says to me, hey, we're going to talk to the director because that's not, not working. You want to come with us? They did not know I was not going. So I said, okay, let's go. So they are complaining to the director, of the court, we don't know what they're talking about. It's not for us, blah, blah, blah. And the director looks at me because he knew I knew technology. And he says, okay, next year, Neptali, you're going to teach the class. And, you know, I take it as a joke. I'm thinking that he's diffusing the discussion with that. And that was the end of it. Soon, soon enough, we are, the class ends and uh, we're celebrating graduation him and I, we're having a drink, and he says to me, So, where is the class? I look at him. I said, What class? He says, The class that you were going to teach. So I said, Are you serious? He says, Yes. So I remember clearly, I said, How do you know I can teach? And he says, Because you have gravitas. And that's all he said. And that gave me the, 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 the what I don't know what the power, the, the, Inclination, whatever it is, to say, you know what, I'm going to do it because he is the director of the program. He saw me in action. And look at one word you have gravitas. You know, so through my career, there were times in which, like, a senior person will come in and tell me, like, a little thing like that, that, you know, put the mirror in front of me and say, yeah, this is who you are because, you know, we always doubt ourselves. We always, you know, think we list of who we are but once a while somebody taps you on the shoulder and lets you know so so they, it has been like that somebody gave you a hand somebody who you know there was nothing behind that it was just a pure you know uh moment in which they felt they need to tell you something that was huge you know that was huge that was helpful so i want to be able to uh, you know in as many cases as I can, to have an encounter with somebody who's struggling, to have an encounter with somebody who's not believing in themselves and just show them the way, show them that they can, show them that it is within themselves, you know? And and the book is part of that. Here is a bunch of examples. (laughs) So it's not me just telling you, but look, look at these people that have gone through that, you know? Mm. And you could be one of those too. So yeah, that definitely, all that is linked. So so what's been your biggest challenge? My biggest challenge has been being a good listener. Mm. Being always open for new things. Because like, you know, sometimes our ego also gets in the way and we think the best thing in sliced bread. And that's not the case. You know, there's always something new to learn. So it's again going back to the 80-20. I have to go and clear the 20%. I have to make it available, you know, be comfortable not knowing that. And the way whatever comes in, okay, let me, let me see what this is. Accept that. Acknowledge that. So, and that comes through listening, you know, to being able to shut up and listen and think about it because we're always ready to to give our answer because that's how we prove ourselves. (laughs) You know, here, I'm big shot here. I know the answer, you know, so that, that keeping that balance in which, you know, shut up and listen is an ongoing, you know, effort, an ongoing challenge that I have to remind myself.
1: All right. Niptai, what's, what's your big dream? I want to write another book.
0: Um, I, I think I want to put all these in a sort of a context, in which we are able to do great things, and it's just a little thing that stops us. Mm-hmm. You know, so far I've seen me, other people, it's just a small thing, and the idea that I have is like there's a very smooth hard surface, and there's a big roller thing coming down, and there's a little pebble. And the big rolling thing stops, the little pebble, you know, because the floor is hard and the roll is hard and the little pebble just stops this thing. So that, that's kind of image. So um, that's kind of, a, you know, one of the things that come to mind. So um, I want to write about that. I want to put in a way, but I want to make it a kind of a story. I want to make it kind of a relatable. The coaching was specific about coaching. And I do put stories. I, I like to tell a story. I'm trying to put it like that. But these will need, I think it needs to be something that we see ourselves in it. And we kind of, because the thing that comes to mind is that a lot of times when I'm dealing with a client and they don't trust themselves, what I do is I ask them to write three, four, five, success stories about themselves. That is like magic. Because we all have stuff that we have done that we know that we're good at it, right? But we haven't put it together in like four or five, six stories that is in front of us. And we have not given it to somebody else. We have not shared it. And the moment we do that, we are saying, look, look what I've done. Right? That's powerful. That's powerful. Usually when somebody's having doubts, once they do that, oh man, we have such a great base to build what they want to do because it's like, oh but you did that. Oh, look at that, you did that, you know. Come on, you got it. And that helps them, you know, put the next story that becomes like the basement, that becomes like the foundation. And then they can build whatever they want. So yeah, that I want to put something out. To show that you know we can do. The, the, here's an example of, and um, so yeah. So that's that's the thing that's brewing in my mind. You know that the next challenge is going to be.
1: I like it. All right. So typically we end every episode with the guests sharing their words of wisdom. So Neptali, for our entrepreneurs listening, what what would your words of wisdom be? Okay. I I think while we spoke that it is very difficult
0: for us to ask for help. Um, the, the cultural stuff is telling us not to do. And I think it, it does not really take too long, too much, to say, you know what, I know what I want to do. I know who, who to ask for help, and, and then just do it. It, it. I think it's the pebble, the pebble that I told you. That, that little thing stopped us. And as long as we realize how small that is, we're able to remove it, and the big roll thing keeps on going on this nice, flat surface. <laughs> So that will be the message.
1: You I, thank the you pedal. so much for joining me today in this wonderful conversation. I appreciate your heart and appreciate your wisdom and certainly appreciate the impact you're making in the world for people.
0: Okay, I want to thank you for the opportunity and this was great. Uh, if this is my beginning, I'm beginning the best possible way. Thank <laughs> you, Robert. Absolutely,
1: thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode, brought to you by the power of intentional decisions that lead to massive action. Those aren't just buzzwords. They're qualities that can help you take control of your life and build a successful business. To support you on this journey, we're offering you our most popular survey to help you establish a baseline. Visit enjoybizlife.com to check it out and take the first steps towards changing your life and business. We often make things more complicated than they need to be, losing sight of what's truly important this tool will help you refocus on what matters most so that you can start doing the things you've always wanted to do like spending quality time with loved ones and if you enjoyed this episode please show us some love by liking subscribing or leaving a review but most importantly share it with someone who needs to hear it in our next episode andrew cordell shares all about the money and he wants entrepreneurs to be about the money too They need to know how money works. They need to know how to use it for their benefit. He talks about how most entrepreneurs are playing the wrong game and they think they can achieve wealth. Wealth is a money game and it can't be won if you're focused on just being great at your craft.